Hello and welcome to the Law of the Cards podcast, episode 3, Jernali and the Young Dragonhawk. The podcast that uses Hearthstone as a vehicle to unpack the dense and sometimes complex lore of the Warcraft universe. Okay, I know this seems out of left field, especially since we've yet to complete Gul'dan's story. But I was sorting through my folders and I found this sitting on my computer. This was written in January 2018 and I'd completely forgotten about it. Until now. I present to you the card that everyone wants to know about, Young Dragonhawk, and Janali was also released between 2018 and now. When first introduced to the Warcraft franchise, Dragonhawks looked very different to how they do today depicted in the Young Dragonhawks art. They were ridden into battle by the High Elves during the Third War. They would also later be ridden by the Blood Elves, High Elves that renamed themselves in honour of their brethren that fell during the Undead Scourge's massacre within the Elven territory of Quel'Thalas. Whereas contemporary Dragonhawks look a little more like the first part of their names, the Warcraft 3 version are a lot more bird-like, brilliant feathers covering their bodies. That's um, Warcraft 3 classic, not Reforged. While not the most powerful aerial combatants, easily crushed by the undead's aerial arsenal of gargoyles and frostworms, the Dragonhawks gave the elves a significant tactical advantage. The Dragonhawk riders were able to channel stationary clouds that prevented any ranged buildings or enemy units from attacking their allies. They were also capable of completely immobilising enemy air units, using their aerial shackles ability. Those bound were unable to move or attack and slowly took damage from the shackles. However, as a trade-off for this powerful ability, the Dragonhawk Rider was also unable to move while they channeled the spell. If they did, the shackles broke. Given their disabling moveset, Dragonhawk Riders were among the first onto the battlefield, reducing the effectiveness of enemy defences. Reinforcements closely following behind. They would be utilised by the Elves in the Third War right up until Illidan's attack on the Lich King's Frozen Throne. They followed the command of one of Illidan's lieutenants, Kael'thas Sunstrider, in the frozen wastes of Northrend. They were unsuccessful in their bid to defeat the ruler of the Undead Scourge. This design of Dragonhawk also saw itself included into the non-canonic Warcraft RPG, the art of the creature revealing more detail. The Dragonhawk's design could be seen as more dragon-like in this art, sporting reptilian eyes, clearly visible horns, though the Warcraft 3 models do appear to have them, and sharp teeth lining its beak. The RPG describes them as follows. Dragonhawks are vicious flying predators. They are swift and deft, able to crack bones and pierce hides with their mighty beaked jaws. They can be trained as aerial mounts and seem to have a particular affinity with High Elves and now Blood Elves, and are often trained by them. Majestic and magnificent creatures, Dragonhawks and their Elf Riders resplendent in lacquered Dragonhide armour make an impressive sight. This large raptor could carry away a man on its back or in its talons. These hawk-like creatures are impressive. Its feathers show brilliant streaks of colour on its wings and tail. But its most remarkable feature 
is its head, which seems like a combination of a hawk and a dragon. Its strong beak gleams wickedly, straight coloured horns that match its plumage sprout from the beast's head. As their name implies, dragon hawks resemble a cross between a hawk and a dragon. They look much like large hawks, with dragon-like heads and a few other draconic characteristics. Long neck, sleek body and large wings. Dragonhawk plumage is brown with touches of blue and red. Dragonhawks are able predators. They prefer diving attacks, snatching prey in their talons to devour at their leisure. When trained, they readily fight in tandem with a skilled rider. Dragonhawks were first introduced to World of Warcraft with the Burning Crusade expansion. Their design now entirely changed. They now more resembled dragons, but with hawk-like heads. Featherless bodies held aloft by webbed wings, which upon closer inspection, the membrane between the wings was covered in feathers. They now needed to remain aloft to move, possessing no legs, only a worm-like body. Throughout the world, they were rare, but could quite easily be found in a single region. Eversong Woods, home to the Blood Elves' capital of Silvermoon. Blood Elven hunters begin with Dragonhawk pets, and while not the most savage and powerful pets, their fire breath ability can be extremely helpful when utilised in dungeons or raids, increasing magic damage to their targets by 8% for 45 seconds. Despite their weaker stat line, their relative rarity sees hunters travel from all around the world to claim one of these striking beasts for their stables. When pets had to be fed in WoW to keep them happy, a dragonhawk's diet consisted of meat, fish and fruit. Larger dragonhawks are used as they were in Warcraft 3 as mounts. They either ferry heroes between flight paths, a Blood Elven flight master always being their handler, or can be personal mounts. Kael'thas used many Dragonhawk riders to defend his position upon the Isle of Keldanas, after betraying his people and aligning with the Burning Legion's lieutenant, Kil'jaeden. The Blood Elves also utilised their trusted companions against their former ruler, Kael'thas. Dragonhawks ferried heroes to and from the Isle and were used in bombing runs against the forces of Kale and the Demonic Legion. There are many different types of Dragonhawk found in different places throughout the world, which I'll quickly mention and describe here. The orange-red variety found around Eversong are the most common, but proving it's not just elves who have an affinity with the hawks, the Amani Dragonhawk, sporting the same red-orange colouring as the Eversong hawks, can be found in Zulaman, the bastion of the Amani troll tribe. The pink-red Blood Falcon can be found among the Blood Elves in the Botanica dungeon, a ship once owned by the light-blessed Naru. The black Dawnblade Dragonhawk carried the Dawnblade Blood Elves into battle, a faction that remained loyal to Kael'thas even after he aligned with Kil'jaeden. The blue-purple Sunblade Dragonhawks were loyal to another faction of Kael loyalists 
the Sunblade. The pink-red Eclipsian Dragonhawk can be found at Eclipse Point in Shadowmoon Valley, upon Outland, a Draenei ruin now controlled by the Blood Elves loyal to Illidan. Another pink-red variety, the Phoenix Hawk, can be found in the raid dungeon, the Eye. This was where heroes first fought Kale while he was still aligned with Illidan, not the Burning Legion. The Dragonhawk surrounded Kale's mighty companion, the Phoenix Alar. The pink-red Shattered Sun Dragonhawks were utilised by the Shattered Sun Offensive as they tried to defeat Kale and prevent Kil'jaeden's entry into Azeroth. Silvermoon Dragonhawks are used to ferry players between flight paths. The Sunreaver Dragonhawk is perhaps the most striking. This red and black beast is the mount of choice to those loyal to the Blood Elf Magi of Dalaran, and was first added in the Frozen Throne expansion. Any other Dragonhawk types, I believe, can be tied to the ones I have already mentioned. Dragonhawks also come in battle pet varieties, blue, silver, red and gold. The rarest of these pets is the Phoenix Hawk Hatchling. The ability to summon this companion comes from the brilliant Phoenix Hawk Feather, which has a chance to drop off of Alar in the eye. This variety has a slightly different moveset compared to the other Hawks. There are a few named Dragonhawks in Warcraft, though not many have much lore significance. Manus and Sunwing are rare spawns found in Winterspring and the Burning Steps. Added in the Mists of Pandaria expansion, these two beasts allowed hunters to claim a rarer skinned Dragonhawk pet. Nightfire is a Dragonhawk only found in the now discontinued Warcraft trading card game. Flaps is the battle pet companion of Jarson Everlong, a battle pet trainer in Eversong Woods. Spooks is a small Dragonhawk that belongs to the Orcish youth Jaga. The young boy asks heroes to collect his lost balloons that his father bought him from Darkmoon Fair, a strong gust of wind blowing them out of his hand. Upon returning the balloons to the boy, he floats into the air, planning to use them to see the the world. The Blood Elf Furion's Dragonhawk is found near its dying master. While too carelessly flying over the region of Desolus, Furion was shot down by Alliance forces. Discovered by a Horde hero, Furion requests they take his mount and inform his sister of his fate. The Blood Elf dead, the hero travels to his sister, Sorelia. Eager to avenge her brother, she directs the hero to someone who may be better equipped and informed to dish out the punishment, the Blood Elf Sorum. He informed the adventurer that Furion had dedicated his final days to a special research project, the contents of which he would not divulge. Sorum did however now possess Furion's journal, but it was written in some sort of code. Deducing that it may be a code related to Furion's research, Sorum sent the hero to the east to meet with another contact, the Flightmaster Narimar. Narimar now looked after Furion's Dragonhawk, and the beast would transport the hero to their destination. From looking in the journal, the hero found a picture of some Night Elven ruins. Seeing similar ruins to the northeast, they flew there. Upon closer inspection of the ruins, the hero concluded these were the ruins in Furion's journal, and upon even closer inspection of the runes at key sites in the ruins, they felt they better understood Furion's code. 
While the code was still near indecipherable, the hero was able to draw a few conclusions. One of the statues required an offering of weaponry in exchange for some divine gift. They would get these weapons from the satyr that could be found among the ruins. The satyr would also be used for another ritual. It seemed Abrazia had been placed within the Temple of Elun to bless those that placed the flesh of her enemies upon it. Demonically corrupted night elves, the satyr, were a natural enemy to Elune's faithful, the Night Elves. The flesh burnt, and the hero was granted divine endowment, increasing their vitality. A member of the Horde, and enemy to the Alliance to which the Night Elves were a member, the hero mused over what Elune may think of someone like themselves receiving her blessing. The rituals were not done here. The old fountain in the ruins also had terms to meet. Filling the fountain with the liquid of the melon fruits in the area, the hero was now able to see the spirits of night elves in the ruins. Even now, these ancient spirits still performed the rituals for their beloved goddess. Having visited and completed the ruins rituals, the hero now better understood Furion's journal. The Blood Elves' palpable enthusiasm seemed to be directed toward a ruin located at the northmost part of the temple remains, hidden in the mountains. Discovering the ancient runestones of Furion's final journal entry, the hero now understood his final written words. The ancients revered the gems created by this mystical object, claiming that they were gifts from the goddess herself. It was believed that they were weapons capable of delivering them from any enemy. Using a vortex gem, the hero could summon a mighty firestorm. This could be achieved either by sustained worship of a loon, or through charging it with spiritual energy. The ghosts now revealed, and not a worshipper of Elune, the hero's path became clear. He defeated ghosts to charge the gem, and then directed the destructive power of the firestorm in the direction of the alliance that shot Furion down. His death was well and truly avenged. The Dragonhawk Sagan is the familiar of the mage Ravandwaya. Also an illusionist that used his powers to entertain, Ravandwaya was the apprentice of Archmage Vargoth. Vargoth was the leader of the Kirin Tor mages that chased the Horde to their world of Draenor near the end of the Second War. He founded the Kirinvar village upon the island of Farallon, studying the world's ley lines. His village survived the cataclysmic events that transformed Draenor into Outland, and Farallon into Netherstorm. During the Burning Crusade expansion, Kael'thas and his Blood Elves would attack Kirinvar, killing Vargoth's subjects and magically sealing him within the village's Violet Tower. Before defeat, Vargoth was able to send Ravandwaya away with his staff. To Vargoth's relief, Ravandwaya survived and was able to enlist the help of adventurers to free his master. Vargoth was able to aid his saviours by communicating with them through his staff, and was eventually set free. Before we move on to our final Dragonhawk, no prizes for guessing who that is given the episode's title, I want to say thank you very much for listening, I really appreciate it. If you've enjoyed so far, like and subscribe, etc. on YouTube, follow on Spotify, and review on iTunes. Go on, do that last one.
I don't have any reviews up on iTunes yet and it's making me a very sad boy. I'll give you a hug, but probably won't since it's quite likely you live quite far away from me. No beastry this time because we've been talking about a beast for the entire episode. So let's continue. Janali, oh my god, I didn't think it would be him, is perhaps the most significant Dragonhawk lore character as he is a lower, a great animal spirit worshipped by the trolls. Janali was a lower of the Amani, led by their wily and charismatic leader, Zuljin, who had aligned the trolls with the Horde during the Second War. Near the end of the war, Zuljin was captured and tortured by the High Elves in a brutal fashion, one of his eyes being removed. He was saved by a raid from his clan, choosing to cut off his own arm with a discarded spear to escape. Denouncing the Horde and cementing his legendary reputation among all trolls, Zuljin and his Amani returned to a closed off life from the outside world in Zulaman. They emerged only after the Scourge's invasion of Quel'Thalas, but were unable to capitalise. Beaten and bruised, Zuljin called upon dark powers to rebuild his army while the Alliance and the Horde were focused on fighting the Legion in Outland. Upon hearing the Blood Elves had joined the Horde, Zuljin became blinded by rage. This made him more susceptible to the urgings of his witch doctor Malakras. The Amani would bind several champions to their lower. The troll bound to Janali took on incredible power, able to create walls of fire and throw out various devastating flame-based attacks. He was also assisted by hordes of Dragonhawk hatchlings that would be cultivated by other Armani trolls as Janali fought on. Upon the Avatar's defeat, Janali's power was not lost to the Amani. Adventurers met Zuljin in combat and the Amani leader was able to draw from the power of all the lower spirits that had been bound to Avatars, taking on their form and able to dish out a varied and terrifying assault. Eventually, however, Zuljin was slain. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I'll see you next time for more Lore of the Cards. Bye-bye.